Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Grind, brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. I am your host, Todd Rosales. You know what the best thing about this show is? The best thing about this show is I have a platform to showcase the things that I love, right? Now, it just so happens that a lot of the things that I love are in the cannabis space, but there's no agenda with this show. There's no, monet- no money behind it or anything else. It's literally me interviewing people that I'm a fan of and showcasing the brands and the companies that I like in this industry. Um, this next company, you wouldn't think that I had a relationship with because they're out in California. I live in Florida, but I experienced their product out in California. I became a huge fan out of one of many brands that are out there. I became a huge fan. I reached out to them and said, hey, I'm a huge fan. I want to have you on the show. I want to learn more about your company. They wrote back and said, let's do it. Um, you know, this is a company that's been around for a very long time. Many of you are probably familiar with it, but today we're going to dig in a little bit further and find the backstory behind it. These are things I'm super interested in because as we progress in the cannabis industry, brands are going to be front and center. And right now brands have a very hard time crossing state lines and really expanding beyond the footprint of where their state is. We're going to talk to them a little bit about that, just what it's like to be a brand in the cannabis space and so much more. So Without further ado, I'm going to introduce two people from what is very rare in this industry, a family-run organization. Please welcome Pete and Pete Furtado, Pete Sr. and Pete Jr. from Big Pete's Treats. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having us. Um, Please. It is absolutely my pleasure. After trying your products, I am more than happy, and it's it's an honor to have you guys on the show. Um, You know, I started looking into you guys, the way that I handle this shows, I'll typically do Google search, read as many articles as I can, watch all the interviews. And you guys really haven't done much. You've kind of stayed in your lane and built your company. That's awesome. But you're one of the first companies in this space going all the way back to what, 2009, 2010, when we had true legalization. Um, how did father and son get into a cannabis company? Because I was raised on the East Coast, man. This is this is foreign to me, but now in my new life in this space, I think it's absolutely amazing. So, talk to us a little bit about the early days, the formation of what's now Big Peach Treats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back. My dad and I have always uh, been super close, you know, and and I think uh, it goes back. He gets his nickname from back when he used to coach me in little league baseball. You know, he was Big right. Pete. I was Little Pete, right? And and so. Um, you know, I think once I got into like college, you know, we started, uh, we started getting stoned together, you know, and, uh, and that's really kind of how it started. Um, and, and I, I know my dad was kind of looking for, for something to do, you know, he was in kind of early retirement, but he was looking for something to do and he was coming up with kind of business ideas and, and the cannabis industry was kind of really just starting to get rolling out here in California with the, in the medical days. Um, so yeah, that's how that's, that's kind of the, 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 the real early years. Right. Um, and, and, you know, my dad, he was really into the cannabis industry, uh, kind of going back even in high school where he threw a few plants in his back or a few seeds in his backyard and ended up getting some, you know, mature, uh, flowers out of it. And then that's when he baked his first batch of treats and, and got the football team incredibly stoned. Uh, and then, and then the next year I'll let him get into some of this is when he, he, um, went to college on the big Island of Hawaii. So, and, so yeah, let me, let me pause you right there because 
I'm going to, I'm going to go junior and senior here so we can distract. So, so junior, as much as I can't wait to get into your story about the business that we have today, senior, it all started back with you way back in the day in 79. I watched the video that you made and it was really cool to just show the progress, right? You're like, yeah, big Pete's essentially started in 79. I rolled a joint. I threw the seeds out the window and grew some plants out of that. Like, it's like literally you're like, yeah, I basically started my company by accident, but it was a very happy accident to quote Bob Ross. Right. So you, you rolled the joint as, as we all do, you pick out the seeds and stems, you throw it out and that gets you started. You know, this is at a time where things are kind of gray there. Just take us through that journey. Cause that's not something I have experience with. We haven't talked about that on the show. So I'm very curious about that. Right. So growing up in California, you know, um, I've, started growing, uh, smoking cannabis, probably my sophomore year in high school. And at that time it was really decriminalized to begin with. Like a couple times, uh, I got caught smoking down by the ocean and it's just was a ticket. And that was like 1979. I got a $40 ticket, you know? So, um, things have always been pretty good here in California, but um, you know, we were smoking out, um, outdoors and pretty much anywhere we wanted, even back then, you know, and, um, it, yeah. So I started, uh, ah, shit. you're good. Don't worry. I, um, started smoking when I was a sophomore in high school and, I was going out to my my back room and my brother was out there partying, you know, and I guess he had like a little party going on and he's all here, take these couple joints, hit the road, kid. <laughs> and, uh, Can you add a party when you're young? Yeah. And that was the first time I ever smoked. So me and my two best friends, we got to go smoke and, and that was the first time. Um, but yeah, later so, on when I eventually went to the, Hawaii, I, you know, needed a little extra money, you know, to go to college. And so I started trimming buds for people and then, you know, became friends and involved with all these folks. And, you know, they're all, well, why don't you grow some plants and, you know, do your own thing. So I started doing that. And so up on the slopes of Kilauea and Mauna Kea, those big volcanoes, we, we grew our plants there and and uh, it was able to give me some extra money to get through college. I'm sure that was a great side business, man. I mean, it, it's funny, you know, we demonize stuff like that, but when you look back on it, it's just agriculture, right? It, it's not a show that I reference too often, but uh, the new show on, on Discovery, I think, Growing Belushi, and Belushi's flying over Columbia. And he's looking at all the fields down there and he's saying, you know what, to these people, this is just them making their livelihood. These are people that are, you know, th this is agriculture to them. So I'm glad that it's come full circle and you're actually able to build a real, you know, company around that. I think one of the coolest things ever that I, I've found in my research is, you know, you had this education, you had made can of butter in the past. You talked about the brownies that you made that got the football team stone. But when you guys were formalizing big peach treats you actually went back to school to relearn how to make can of butter and 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 came up with the business plan or part of the business plan for big Pete's in school 
What yeah. made you go back to school, you know, as your son says, in a semi-retired state? Yeah, so, you know, I was growing cannabis up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, me and my good friend. And, you know, we were, like, looking for something more to do, you know. And, and so we all thought, let's go to Oaksterdam University up in Oakland, you know. We'll learn a few things. We'll, we'll meet some people. We'll get some connections. And, and uh, so, yeah, it was really good. And for one of the class projects, the teacher said, well, what would you do if you could – get in the cannabis industry with a brain. And so I thought about it and I was like, hmm, cookies sound good. Let's try cookies. And so we baked some at home and with with that can of butter that I learned how to make up at Oaksterdam and and, uh, all our friends are saying, Pete, you have to take these to the stores. These are really good, right? And so, yeah, we started at my house with a small mixing bowl and a wooden spoon. And today's uh, uh, Big Pete's is looking at, at 7,000 square feet of uh, uh, commercial kitchen and traveling all over California to distribute our cookies. See, the coolest thing about that statement is it's clear that you weren't the only person in your kitchen whipping up can of butter, making brownies, making cookies, but you guys did something about it. You're looking, this could be a real business. And instead of what most people probably would have thought and paralyzed themselves, oh, everybody's probably doing this. There's probably a thousand people out there that are doing it. Let's figure out another idea. And a lot of people use that as an excuse to not execute, but you guys said, screw it, we're going to do it. And you went ahead. You know, at what point did you get Junior involved? What time, at what point did you guys kind of come together and really create something rare in this industry, a family-run cannabis business. You really don't see that. Right. So when Junior finished his college days in Oklahoma, he moved back to California and, and we took him right in. You know, we needed we needed help and and he was, you know, and it's a young guy's business pretty much, you know. And uh, he, he started just taking over. And Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a yeah. lot of fun. You know, and, and uh, yeah, that's when I graduated college was 2010. Right. And, and, and kind of everything that you would always hear is, oh, man, this is a terrible time to be graduating college. Right. It was right after the 2008 recession. And, um, you know, and I think that's part of kind of my dad's story, too. He wanted to build start this business so that his kids could have something to do, you know. And, and so that's and then and then so I just came right in. That's what I knew I was going to be doing that. I was playing baseball. Um, in college and, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to the pros. Right. And so it was kind of like this, this is something like that I could get in on the ground floor. And I just knew that there, there's not a lot of industries that you can do that. And, and it's kind of, we already had the love and the passion for cannabis and, and just thought, man, this could be a really, this is awesome. Cannabis is going to be legal soon, you know, it's, and, you know, and, and, and one day, you know, we're going to build this business and one day, you know, we used to joke in the in my dad's home kitchen. Yeah, big tobacco is going to come in and buy us out one day for a million dollars. I was, you know, um, and and that that was kind of the 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 early dream, right? Well, I I think the dream is still alive, but I think you're 100 percent wrong. I don't think big tobacco is going to touch you guys. I think you're going to end up somewhere like with like Nabisco or General Mills or something like that long down the ra- the way, which is cool. To see, and I'm sure you guys never thought that you would see cannabis pivot into not only something that is 
being destigmatized, right? The, the stigma is still there, especially here on the East Coast. There is still a big stigma around cannabis, but the sentiment is starting to be not only is cannabis not harmful, but it also can be a wellness product. That's something I never thought that I would see. I mean, we all kind of knew, yeah, they had medicinal purposes, but it was two ends of the spectrum. It was drug, medicine, nothing in between. Now that we've actually had this 10 years or so of experience, there's a massive wellness component in there. And, and I imagine I, you know, I, I tend to rant on this show and I'll go off on different directions, but I always say as much as I love smoking a joint, I don't see that being the publicly acceptable form of cannabis because it's invasive, right? It smells before I spark it. It smells worse when I spark it. There's smoke everywhere. So if you have people, and as most of the general public do, they don't enjoy smoking, period, right? That's why we don't have smoking sessions in restaurants and everything else. So I believe going forward, when this industry starts to truly mature and we can cross state lines and all that stuff, edibles are going to be at the forefront of this. Drinks are going to be at the forefront of this. And I think more people are going to walk into a dispensary looking for a cookie than they are flour or anything else. I'm sure that's a progression that you guys could only hope for and are now seeing, seeing it actually come true. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, the, the, I think it's a, it's a kind of a friendly way to get introduced to cannabis, right? It is with the edibles. It's, it's discreet. You're not, you know, bothering people. So, and I think that probably is the fastest growing, um, you know, segment of the regulated market is those edibles for sure. Right. And that's really, yeah. The timing of this conversation is perfect. So as I mentioned, I live in Florida and we just Wednesday came out with our regulations around edibles. So there's going to be a lot of people down here that are looking for brands and everything else like that. You know, we can, we can talk to see if there's any strategy for you guys that later on in the conversation, but that's something that we have really been looking forward to down here is edibles. Cause we had to fight very hard for smokable flour until then. Oddly enough to me, the only thing that was legal was concentrates, which is a stronger version of the stuff that they don't want you consuming anyway, blows my mind. But let's kind of take it back to the beginning of uh, the beginning of, of the company, right? So now you guys have a cannabis cookie company, right? And, you know, I'm sure you're not the only one on the block, but I can tell you because I had my first experience in San Jose. You guys are in Santa Cruz, right? Not the same city. And you have built a pretty solid following to where this, you know, I, I told you right before we started, I was at the NCIA conference in San Jose. I went to Purple Lotus Dispensary, walked up to the counter. I tend to bullshit with bud tenders for like 45 minutes asking about stuff. It's one of my favorite pastimes. I can't promise you that they love that. Hopefully they do, but we got into a great conversation. I said, hey man, I'm not a big edibles guy and I can get into my first experience with edibles. Why I go, but I want something, you know, before the flight home, just for something at night, I'm looking for a good edible and indica. What do you have? And this guy's face lit up and said, big Pete's peanut butter indica cookies. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Get me some. And he's going through the drawers, going through the drawers and he can't find them. And he's like, oh, I have this and this, which one do you want? I'm like, I want the peanut butter ones. You said they were the best. He yeah. runs to the back and go gets the and, and looks through everything and finds like comes out. Hey man, I found him! So excited and gave him to me. <laughs> and ever since that experience, I live in Florida. I can't go to California without getting a few bags of these cookies. Like they they're great. So how do you all of a sudden start going to the dispensaries and differentiating yourself from the other competitors that are out there? How does the Big Pete start growing its business? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a real grassroots effort, you know, I mean, it was 
back then there there was a there were products on the market um, but there really wasn't a lot of you know professionalism there wasn't a lot of like brands at that point yet and so kind of real basic elementary like branding is is we we came up with a cartoon cartoon character version of my dad we were just brainstorming at this point this is right before like we started i was actually um it was like christmas break or or uh you know spring break or something and um we were we were just brainstorming kind of came up with this cartoon character version of my dad had he had a red gold and green shirt for his love of reggae music and then he was throwing mm-hmm. up the shaka for his love of hawaii um and and then so so in in the the elementary branding of it was how are we going to do something make a product and people are going to remember that product right real simple and that's and that that's what it was it was the the cartoon character version of my dad now we knew kind of a few years later with the joe camel laws that hey that cartoon character version wasn't going to work out but going back to the early years that's how we did it you know and and it was just trying to make a product that people would eat it get get stoned probably forget everything but remember that that funny character and and, um, and and really San Jose, part of our part of our you know journey has been really great timing, right? And, and a little bit of luck, I'm sure too. But but when we started, it went from zero to like a hundred stores in San Jose overnight. And so that was really, you know, we were we're out of Santa Cruz, which is just a drive over the hill, thirty minute drive over the hill to San Jose. That's really where we sold all of our cookies for the first couple of years of our business was, was San Jose. Very cool. And then I'm trying to think, I know I've gone back a few times since, I mean, I've grabbed them in LA. I've grabbed them in San Francisco. I was supposed to go back to LA this summer. I was really going to get, get a bunch of them, but you know, unfortunately the world shut down. Um, I mean, you guys are doing great. I haven't seen the cartoon version of your dad. I've definitely got to find that and check it out. But even today, like your logo is awesome. It's not too cannabis-y. It's not too, you know, it, it, it's just like, I don't know why it just seems perfect to me. The name Big Pete's Treats is a great name. Even your packaging to me is noticeable right off the bat. There is somebody, I don't, I'm trying to be vague about this because I don't know how much you want to dig into it, but somebody recently posted a something on LinkedIn saying edibles coming soon. And there was a picture of the bag, but it was only part of the bag. I looked at it and I'm like, I know that bag, I've seen that bag. And it got me excited you know, how, how much work do you guys put into that branding to make the new version of Big Pete's recognizable? Because you don't have that cartoon anymore, but that circular logo, I imagine, and the, the bag is pretty recognizable. Yeah, I think, I think we rebranded probably in 2015 or 2014, really from the cartoon character. We, we knew that cartoon character version just wasn't going to work because, you know, it's a, it could be considered appealing to kids. And we wanted to make it more professional too, but I think it took us it took us at least a good year of just like studying, like, what are we going to do? It was a big change. And I know, you know, my dad was, you know, pretty attached to the, the old, yeah. the old cartoon character. Uh, version, you know, he, he's pretty remember. attached to himself, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's hard to make that change, you know, yeah. and you, you just don't know it's going, Oh, you know, and, and we made a change way for the better, but it's, it still was hard to go, Oh, are people going to remember us, you know, and how, how is this going to work? And, so, you know, I think I, I was kind of the main driver behind yeah. that. And, and um, but, but we ended up 
coming up with a real kind of simple logo, you know, big Pete's cookies that treat you right. And, um, is our tagline. And it was, it was, you know, yeah, I think we nailed it. Just kind of keeping it simple, kind of that, that Mrs. Fields of cannabis, you know, big Pete's. Right. And that was kind of when I remember when our designer kind of came up with that logo, we just said, that's it. That, that, that screams kind of family cookie cannabis cookie company, you know, wholesome. Very cool, man. Well, I'm glad that you said Mrs. Fields this time because I read an article and someone described you guys as famous Amos. And I'm like, oh, I hope not because famous Amos right. famously lost his company. And right. I don't want to see that happen to you guys, right? Yeah. You've done so good. With pitching another company. And it was, yeah. Exactly. Was what? I wish I can say that I was super smart with business, but that's also where I learned it too, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> watching TV. Um, so, you know, you guys, going back to that beginning, edibles are not something that's really that easy to make, especially the way that you guys do it with, with can of butter, right? Now, I personally believe that there are advantages working with can of butter versus some of the concentrates. And I'm basing that entire thesis off the fact that, you know, we all have these vape pens now and you smoke flour. And the experience when you smoke actual flour versus the vape pens is, is listen, for anybody else who's out there who doesn't agree with me, this is my personal experience, okay? You don't put this in the comments, but when you smoke flour, it's a different experience than the concentrates, and this one does not add up to this one. I can even tell you nowadays when I have a direct comparison, I smoke a nice indica strain, I can go to sleep, I get a nice relaxing night's sleep. Sometimes with the flour, and I don't know, or with the vape, because I don't know if it's more concentrated, I get some weird dreams, it's restless sleep, it's really not the same. And I imagine in the edible world that using butter versus the extracts or anything else kind of has that same comparison to it. So I commend you guys for doing that. Tell me about that process. And then also how hard at first was it to get that consistency um, in dosing while using can of butter? Because I can tell you, I don't know how much I can tell you. We can say hypothetically at one point in time, I might've made cannabis cookies using cannabis butter for colleagues, coworkers, friends of mine, and they were not consistent by any stretch of the imagination. I actually had a friend of mine who we're going to go, I don't know the legality of this. So we're going to say theoretically made some cookies. Mm -hmm. And I had two friends that are like, your edibles aren't shit. And I was in a group chat with them. I happened to be out of town. So when I got home, I went into it with the nine said, Oh, this edible isn't shit. Ate it on an empty stomach. And next thing I know I'm up on Saturn somewhere and it wasn't a fun experience. So you know, how hard was it at first to really dial in what the dosage was going to be, what the standard packaging was going to be, all that stuff that you guys, I think, have really nailed down today? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's been a work in progress for sure, right? You know, and, and I remember early on, way back in, you know, the very start before we were in any dispensaries, I forget, we were having a party at my dad's house, right? And we, and, and, we made some cookies and we all ate cookies and we all just got knocked out, you know, and it was <laughs> kind of like, you know, this is almost too strong guys. We want to kind of make, we want to make this an enjoyable experience, you know, and, and that was going to yeah. be like a major differentiator back then. That, that's back before, I mean, there, there was obviously hash oil and stuff, but this is long before there was even vape pens on the market or, um, you know, or like the butane oil that they use now. Um, and, and so, the can of butter. So, so it's been a process, but the can of butter back to your point, we agree 100%. I think the way that you 
compare that like a joint to a vape pen is similar for like an edible made with can of butter or a, or a full spectrum, you know, coconut oil or can of butter um, versus a, a cookie or an edible made with just straight distillate, right? Because you get more of the full spectrum. And so there's a lot of people that tell us, you know, hey, edibles don't really hit me, but you're for whatever reason, your guys' stuff hits me. So uh, I think we've kind of been leaning into that more as far as on our on our marketing, on our branding is, hey, everything's made with can of butter, right? And, and um, I think, you know, that's is is a is a huge differentiator for our products over uh, any of the other products on the market. Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and the one thing I want to point out for the for the people that are watching this, you know, we talk about the way that it hits you and it hits you harder and everything else. It's not just a punch in the face. All of a sudden, you know, you're, you're singing show tunes and drooling out the side of your mouth. It's a very nice feeling, a nice relaxed feeling. I can tell you with the Indica cookies, they come with what? I think six to 10 in a bag. Um, I'll, you know, head to the airport probably. I think for me, I'll have usually two of them and then maybe another one before the flight. You know, I get a nice hour of just kind of relaxing to myself on the plane, pick a little movie, an hour in, I'm sleeping. Next thing I know, I'll wake up right before we land and I feel clear headed. I feel fine. Good enough to jump in my car and, and drive home. I think the experience that you guys have curated is perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I think that you guys have really dialed it in for the general consumer and for the people that have a higher tolerance for the people that are historic users you can eat a few more and you're going to get a nice experience too i really think that you guys have kind of addressed the full spectrum which is my favorite part about it so between us and if you guys can't reveal this that's fine the can of butter is still made on a larger scale i imagine by simmering the trim in butter for like an hour or two hours yeah, we have, it's, ours is a long process, you know, and, and um, we, we have these big soup, you know, vats that we cook it in, right? So you, it's, it's just water and in the buds and, and trim and the butter. And, and we go through like a, a long process, you know, it, it cooks for probably, you know, multiple hours. Um, and, then, and then the next day is you process it, right? And then, and then, you know, you put it in the fridge and block it up and put it in the fridge and it sets up. And then the third day is when you will like clean it and, and give it the last round of processing. Right. And then kind of back to your question earlier about the consistency is we'll actually every batch of butter, we, we get it tested by a third party lab. Right. Very so cool. then we know how we can calculate to make that perfect 10 milligram cookie. That's really cool. So you guys are actually figuring that. So I always wondered how you kind of do the math and everything else to figure out how you get that dosage. For some reason, I thought it had to do with the amount of plant material or the concentration of the THC and terpenes and that, but you guys are actually figuring that out at the butter level. That seems much smarter than my thought process, but um, <laughs> that's really cool. So I know a lot of people probably ask you about the actual cannabis process bringing that into the cookies obviously making can of butter you would then make cookies the way that you would make cookies how much thought and r&d goes into the actual cookie recipes themselves because my biggest problem with big pete's cookies is you guys made some delicious freaking cookies and then i realized if i'm going to eat more of them they're going to have a more medical effect on me so it's kind of like that mm, another cookie sounds really good but i'm in a good place right now so you know how much thought goes into the actual cookie recipe a lot, a ton. Yeah, no, we, we start with non-cannabis, you know, we just make regular cookies and that's where it starts. 
and, and you know, and, and then, then we get into, okay, let's add the butter. Oh, this, we, we pretty much know too, though, like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, you know, even before we even add the weed butter. Uh, but, but then, you know, the first part is just regular cookies. Then we get into the R and D of making it with the cannabis butter and yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. We, you know, we start with the regular cookies and yeah, it, it, you know, we hear that story a lot, Todd, you know, and I think what a lot of people do is they'll almost buy a dessert because that is the first thing that's going to hit you is the munchies. No doubt. Yeah. We've have you guys thought, times. have you guys thought about putting out like on the shelves next to the actual big Pete streets, like big Pete's after treats or something like that um yeah. just your plain cookies right well we have now no that's a great idea i mean it really is you know there's you know i'm always kind of the uh you know the the, the downer right because i come in oh well the regulations you know the kitchen and this and that you know i'm the guy that has to always be be that guy but you know yeah i think that would be great uh, but you know we're, i mean we're, talking we're focused on the thc cookies Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine that you guys are focused on the THC cookies. The, uh, the actual grocery store business is not a, f- a, f- a battle that I'm sure you want to get into given the regulations and everything else you have to deal with in the THC side of things. I feel like you two, besides just being father and son, really complement each other very well. You know, your dad is kind of the traditionalist, understands the legacy of this business, understands a lot of the effects. And I'm sure you have, you know, connections into the legacy cannabis space in California and, you know, Junior, you've got a lot of this new age business knowledge and you're, you know, you're able to access mainstream. You seem like you're, you're good with people and you're a great presenter. I mean, it seems like not only father, son, family run, but you guys just complement each other very well as a management team. You know, on that note, is there any behind the scenes like Orange County chopper fights that, that we're unaware of? Or is it just is it really a, a pleasure getting to work with your dad every day? I think most of the time it's a pleasure. Yeah, no, we, I mean, you know, we go back and forth over the years for Listen, sure. I, I worked for my dad when I was a kid. I got fired 837 times, but you know. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've never been fired. You know, I've wanted to fire his ass a couple of times, you know, but <laughs> no, but you know, in most part, it's all good, you know, and, and, and I think um, it's only gotten better, you know, and, and, um, I think legalization, you know, it was, was a tough road for, you know, in 2018 in California, they process prop 64. And that was kind of what's, what's going to happen, you know, what, what the, the unknown. And, uh, we, we, we spent a lot of, we were so lucky to start eight years before that and just have time to get prepared for that. But, but no, there's been some arguments over the years for sure, but most, but then we're best friends a couple hours later, you know, so it's not. Yeah. Probably the biggest thing was the packaging, you know, and the rebranding, you know, I had a hard time letting go of the, the cartoon guy, you know, and uh, Pete kind of talked me off the ledge and, and made me see that this is going to be a good thing. And, and uh, he was right for sure. Very cool. So senior, I've got to ask you, you've been in business with your son for 10 years now. Similar question. What's it like seeing your son come in, take on the CEO role and really help create the big Pete's that we all see today? I mean, as a, as a, I I have a young daughter now, I'm not nearly in in the space where you guys are, but I imagine that's a really nice feeling getting to have a front row seat to that. Yeah. It's been a great time just seeing him and his evolution in the business world, you know, and, and how comfortable he's getting and, and, just 
you know, having the big conversations with people and, you know, talking big plans and yeah, he's, he's knocking it out of the park. I think you're doing a great job. I'm excited to see you guys expand. And then junior, you know, you grew up in a very unique situation for those of us east of, of California. You know, you grew up around cannabis. You grew up without the stigma, I'd imagine, at least internally to your family. You know, what what's that? I mean, a lot of people are getting there now. You know, I mentioned that I have a young daughter. At some point, I'm going to have to have a conversation with her around what I do and why I do it. I have that conversation in my head over and over again, but you know, you grew up with cannabis being somewhat normalized, right? And now your first gig out of college is in a cannabis, a legal cannabis company, and you're putting goodwill out there. You're doing, you know, not only are you getting to participate in capitalism, but you're putting out a product out there that can actually help people. You know, uh, we had somebody on the show that, that talked about cannabis helping kids with autism and, and other issues. And yes, there are some of us that use it and we just want to use it as a disconnect, but there are so many different levels that you can use it on. You know, what was it like growing up in that environment? And, you know, if you don't mind telling us, how did outsiders look at that? Well, no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, my dad and I, we started getting stoned together, like more in our, my college years, you know, when I was a freshman in college, you know, I think I was always so focused on sports and he was always, you know, uh, real supportive in that as well, you know, so it's not like, I, you know, but we, I would, but, but I mean, we always knew my pops was getting stoned, you know, we, we always knew we'd, we'd, we'd smell it or, you know, uh, so, but I think also just coming from Santa Cruz, it, it, it's kind of, you know, that stigma is, isn't really as big of a deal. I think in Santa Cruz, you know, um, it's just really part of the culture, but it's not like, you know, uh, we were rolling joints when I was, you know, a teenage, you know, in my, in my mm-hmm. early teenagers, it wasn't like that. No, nah. but, um, you know, but, but it was all good. I think once I got out of high school or whatever, and he wasn't like a hard ass on me where, you know, if he, if we were get, if we would get stoned or whatever, you know, he'd come down on us. He was pretty real chill. Um, and, and I think we were, we were, we were, we grew up, we were, we had a good group of friends and, you know, we, we were more into sports. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome because, you know, I think that helps break the stigma, right? Um, you know, you guys are, are two people that you bonded over cannabis when you were in college and you're, you run a successful business now. And that, that, breaks the stigma of what everybody thinks this industry is you know you said he wouldn't come down hard on you maybe that's because he was using cannabis and he wasn't consuming massive amounts of alcohol if he was you know it went the other direction it might have been a different story we don't know and we've heard that story nothing i'm not saying that you would have went that way senior but we've heard that story within other families time and time again you know people using cannabis to disconnect versus alcohol it's a lot more chill it's a lot more uh, up here, you, you get introspection, you think about things differently, right? And I think that's something that, that people need to understand. So I love the fact that, it, I can't tell you how much I love the fact that it's father-son, family-owned business, but you guys are still operating cannabis. So I'm sure there's a lot of challenges with that. You know, Pete, uh, Junior, I read one of the, the articles that you were interviewed in saying that, you know, I don't know if this still happens, but at least early on, a lot of your normal vendors price gouge you for being a cannabis company. What are some of the other challenges besides, you know, we, we understand marketing, we understand taxation. What are some of the other challenges that you guys face 
um, because you're you're plant touching, but you're not. You're selling cookies. So I'm sure that you guys have raw materials vendors that other people don't. You have kitchen equipment vendors that other people don't. And there's a lot of things that mimic, I guess we'll call it a traditional business that you deal with. And then you just add a cannabis supplier into that mix. So talk to us about what that ecosystem looks like and your experience there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think still to this day, I mean, you know, like examples of that. And I don't necessarily think it's the vendor's problem or really uh, necessarily gouging, but, you know, like our insurance, you know, is, is going to be our car insurance for our drivers is going to be four times the amount as a normal business would have to pay just because they have cannabis cookies in our distribu- distribution vans. Right. Um, I'd say the biggest hurdle it has been also just just legalization and regulation. Right. And and, um, and then for us, it's it's really has been the transition from a kitchen to real food manufacturers, right? And because that's really what we do is we are in the food manufacturing business with that added ingredient, like you're talking about, but, but yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully over these next couple of years, you know, if we can get some type of, um, you know, banking, banking rights, States rights, Act, yeah. you know, some type of federal banking uh, set up that that's, all we need, man. That's really, I mean, we're, we're simple. Like if we could just get banking and, you know, get it off, get cannabis off schedule one, we would be so happy uh, because that's a, that's a big, just a big day-to-day issue that we spend time on every single day, you know, and, and hours on, on just banking and having to go here and having to go there and play whack-a-mole with different banks. And so, yeah. A lot, yeah, lot of normal stuff, but also just that, that added cannabis uh, aspect. I, I can imagine. And, you know, the good news is, and I don't know if you guys saw it. I just saw it, I think, on Friday. There, there's come, an upcoming vote to deschedule cannabis, I think, um, end of this month or next month. They haven't actually put it on the agenda yet. I'm not as hopeful as I want to be. But, you know, it, it's nice seeing it actually hit the floor of Congress, right? You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a start for sure. Um, but I think we're all looking towards that because I want to see big Pete's in all 50 States. You know, I, I joke around that you guys should be on the shelves of every single convenience store that shouldn't be in dispensaries. And, you know, there is a medical and wellness component to it. Right. Um, I, I, I love what you're doing there. Um, I had another direction that I wanted to go into now I'm losing my train of thought. So you don't have to worry about, you know, you guys doing that earlier. Um, where's I going with this? Oh, as far as, you know, actually, so we talked, we talked about you guys have all these normal suppliers and you're adding in that one new product, right? And that's the cannabis. I imagine that you're not growing your own anymore and that you're, you're working with suppliers in the area. You know, how much do you have to worry about different strains or different farms or different potencies of the plant? You know, is that something you take into consideration or does it just go back to, we find good quality stuff, we make the butter and then we take it from there? Pretty much, right? You know, find, we work with local farms here in Santa Cruz and Monterey, and um, it, it really the potency comes back to the butter, right? So the stronger, the better. That, then we just have to use less cannabis uh, material. Um, so, does does that affect? So, the depending on the potency of the butter, does that affect the taste of the cookies if you're not using? Uh, you know, as much butter as the recipe would call for or anything along those lines? Not necessarily. No, I mean, you may, if you come up with a really strong butter, yeah, you may have to cut it a little bit more. Right? Got it. Yeah. 
but but we also do indica sativa right so so it doesn't necessarily matter we, we'll try to get like a you know an indica dominant strain and we'll make our butter out of that right and we'll try to get a sativa dominant strain and we'll make our butter out of that so then we'll have indica and sativa cookies and we don't make claims like hey these ones are going to make you have tons of energy and these ones are going to put you to sleep but it's just trying to be transparent with the ingredients that we make the butter with very cool, man. I like, I really like that old school approach with the butter and then just the straight indica and sativa. As much as people say, hey, indica sativa is a myth, it's does this one give you a little bit of energy and give you that uplifting? And does this one give you that couch relaxed feeling? As long as it does that, I think it's good enough for me. I think, you know, another cool thing I went on your website, I started again digging into some of the things you do. But, you know, I, I know giving back is something that you're very big on doing beach cleanups and things like that. You know, talk to us about the importance of that. And is that something that everybody in the company gets around as well? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets involved in the beach cleanups. Um, we've been doing them for probably five or six years now. Um, you know, like five or six every summer um, from Santa Cruz all the way to San Diego. We've done them. Um, and it, yeah, everybody likes to get involved. Everybody's you know, loves the ocean and wants to keep it clean. And we also do um, some community work with the Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance. We give a lot Very of cool. compassion medicine to to them and some other cat compassion outlets. So, yeah, we're big on that as well. Yeah, I, I always love seeing the uh, cannabis, you know, it, it's common in the cannabis industry for people to give back and yet we still get stigmatized all the time. Um, it's funny though, but I think you guys are doing great. So what, right now, I believe you guys are only in the state of California. It's just kind of the way that things work. At least that's where you're producing your own products. Are there plans to expand beyond California? And what's the approach for that? As much as you can share, I know there might be some business secrets in there. Yeah, I mean, and I think um, our partners in Florida actually are, already announced it last week on Instagram, right? So we're coming out to Florida with uh, Liberty Health Scientists, and you know we're, we're really stoked about that. Um, you know, I've actually never been to Florida. Big Pete has, yes, you know, and and so we're we can't wait to get out there, you know, to go around, check out all the stores, you know, meet with our partners out there, and in get their kitchen set up. That's where we're still kind of in that training, right? Where, where they're going to come out here. They were actually supposed to come out here um, in March, like a day, a couple of days before the shutdown, oh. like right the day after the shutdown. And so that got delayed a little bit, but um, just recently they sent over like the new regulations a couple of days ago and Florida just announced the new regulations. So we're really getting the, getting the packaging approved, getting the ball rolling on that. But, but yeah, that, we uh, do have some, some news to break here. Sort of uh, we're, we're coming out to Florida that'll be our first state besides California that we're in. Well, way to pick a massive market in the form of Florida, man. I've obviously been dancing around that for most of the interview because I wanted you to be the one to say it, but I am so pumped that you guys did a deal with Liberty. Uh, the, there's a Liberty in Boca Raton, Florida that is literally five minutes from my house. So when you guys are in town, we'll definitely have to link up. Um, I, I will go and buy the first bag of big Pete's if I can, I'd be very happy to do that. And I'm very excited for you guys to be down here. So that's really cool. So they're actually coming out to your kitchen and working side by side with your people to adopt your processes back in Florida. Exactly. That's awesome. Now, 
will you guys head down here and kind of have some oversight, just kind of make sure things are, are up to your standard? For sure. No, that's the key, right? That's the key. It's like a, it's like a franchise, right? We can't call it a franchise because of the, the federal law. So it's a, it's a licensing deal. So yeah, well, that's, that's the key in doing these license deals is that when you buy a cookie in Florida, you're getting the same thing that you would be getting in California, right? Like, and, and so, yeah, we're going to have to make sure, you know, that they're, that they're making them the right way, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, well, I'll be going out there a lot, I think to start. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's well, going to be the key for sure. Yeah. We're super pumped on the Florida deal. Can't wait to come out there. Oh, I'm sure I'm just as pumped as you guys. I, if you need, I will be your South Florida host. I will show you around. I will t- take you to all the good spots. Um, I'm excited for you guys to come down here. I'm glad you're doing it. Now, are you guys looking in other markets as well to expand? Is that in the future as well? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think Big Pete's, our goal really is to be the national cannabis cookie brand. And so, Absolutely. Really. We're, we're very focused on California. Still, we have a long, lot of room to grow still in California. The market's growing. Um, you know, we're, we're, California is the, the number one cannabis market, you know, but, but in order to, to be the national cookie brand, yeah, we're going to have to get outside of California. Um, I think also Canada is, is going to be out there, you know, soon. Um, and after Florida probably. Um, but but yeah, we'll see, you know, I mean, we got to execute on Florida and Canada first, make sure we can, you know, oversee them, make sure that we can make the same cookies there. Right. And then, and we have great partners in Florida, right? Liberty health. I mean, they're, you know, they're great, great to work with. They're, they're really on top of things. So we, we feel like if we can't do it with, with such great partners like that, then, you know, they're, they're going to be a good one for us that, for that first partnership to try to knock it out of the ballpark. Very cool, man. Well, I'm very excited for that to come to fruition. Outside of expanding into other states, is there anything else that we should look forward to for Big Pete's? I mean, I know that you guys have talked about you want to stay in your lane with baked goods. Are we going to stay with cookies? Are you looking for other things? Um, what else does the future hold for Big Pete's product-wise? Yeah, we have some uh, new things coming up. We have a vegan option, coconut cookie coming up. Um, possibly some bigger cookies that Ooh. have stronger doses. Um, and maybe can of butter down the road. Very cool. So you're just going to sell the straight can of butter for people to make whatever they want. Yeah. Eventually, we'd like to, right? That's one of, one of the products we feel like that would just be such a great product for people to really, uh, you know, get interactive with and, and just have that enjoyable experience with a cake or, or muffins or anything you want to make or just put it on your toast. Right. So, um, we think that's, you know, and we'll have a cookbook, right. We're a little bit down the road just on the logistics of, of making enough butter and, and getting it to the store and having the refrigeration. But we do feel like that will be a great product for us one, uh, eventually. The cookbook sounds fun, and I can almost picture in my head, I now have this scenario of you guys setting up a Big Pete's cooking show with yeah. the two of you guys, and I think that would be so entertaining. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, Maybe you're be- already on it, but after the book, we need to see a Big Pete's cooking show. No doubt. No doubt. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, guys, I've been holding you up for almost an hour here. 
you guys have work to do. You got more cookies to make. You got to bring those delicious cookies. Make sure they're done right here in Florida. Make sure they get that peanut butter recipe right because that's my favorite. But I'm excited to be able to expand out, try the rest of the roster. You know, I don't have to just focus on peanut butter because I know I love it and I'm only going to be in California for a small time. I'm looking forward to it. You know, so at this point, guys, I, I want to open the floor to you. What, what can promote? Tell us the website, where they can find the cookies, any social media, anything you guys want to promote at this point. Let's get it out there. Cool. Yeah. Um, check us out, bigpeachtreats.com, uh, at bigpeachtreats on Instagram. And um, really, really thank you, Todd, for, for having us. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Uh, you know, it's our, actually our first podcast I think we've done, you know, so, right. uh, we're, 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 we're stoked to get on here and, um, you know, and, and tell our story. Dude, I'm, I'm, it was an honor to have both you guys. I'm glad to have one of the few family run businesses in this industry here. I'm very happy to see father and son doing things together. Love the product. I'm excited for all the growth that you guys are going to have. I'm glad I can be the first podcast, man. I think you guys are going to be very big in the industry. Um, looking forward to hopefully seeing you at conferences, everything else. And uh, we'll definitely do this again. We'll get you guys get you guys on the rounds going around. And then once you launch in Florida officially, maybe we'll do this again for fun. Pete, when you're in yeah. town, maybe we can do it in person from Liberty. We'll, it'll be yeah. good. So do it. Awesome, guys. Well, everybody at home, thank you again for watching. This is another episode of Elevate Your Grind. As always, we are brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. Cannabis Lab is the number one industry association in the state of Florida. If you're a cannabis professional, you're looking to meet up with other like-minded individuals, you want to learn more about the industry, either from a local or national level, check out joinclab.com. Constantly hosting events, panels, this podcast, and so many other great pieces of content. Finally, if you want to check out any of our old episodes, you can see those at youtube.com slash elevate your grind or uh, in audio format anywhere you find your podcast apple spotify stitcher what have you folks it's been another episode of elevate your grind we're out